walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala amma ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh how are things going it's good alhamdulillah so inshallah ta'ala we're continuing the series on the parables in the quran today inshallah we're taking a look at surah az-zumar ayah number 29 in which allah ta'ala says ba'da a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim daraba allahu mathalan rajulan fihi shuraka'u mutashakisuna wa rajulan 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 salaman li rajulin hal yastawiyani mathala alhamdulillah bal aktharuhum la ya'lamun allah ta'ala says allah presents an example a slave owned by quarreling partners and another belonging exclusively to one man are they equal in comparison all praises to allah but most of them do not know. So we're going to take a look at this, inshallah ta'ala. We'll break it down in parts. First part is what? Allah ta'ala says, Allah ta'ala is going to strike forth an example. Since the idolaters weren't familiar with scripture, they don't know, they don't, you know, they're not people of, uh, you know, Ahlul Kitab, they're not familiar with prophets and revelation and, the, and correct concepts of tawheed, they're not, or even something similar to that. You see that they are very much lost. So, since they don't really have correct beliefs, Allah Ta'ala speaks to them about a topic they would comprehend. Let's speak to you on a level that you do understand. An example involving your servants, or you could say in our terms, we would probably use the term employees, right? Obviously nowadays employees have much more, many more rights, but still it's, it's that concept of somebody working for you and ultimately we're talking about what? Money. We're trying to make some sort of money with these uh, servants and employees and so forth. So then Allah says what? رَجُلًا فِيهِ شُرَكَاءُ مُتَشَاكِسُونَ So the first method or parable or example is of a person who he has multiple quarreling owners they're all partners they've all bought this servant and they are the, the, the root letters of sheen kaf sin shakasa or shakusa yashkusu shakasatan fahuwa shakisun or shakisa yashkasu shakasan fahuwa shakisun means what to be malicious spiteful to have bad character to be rough to be difficult it also means to be quarrelsome or petulant and tashakasa yatashakasu means what to be quarrelsome uh, with one another and to tazalama to to do injustice and to do wrong towards one another so this isn't just a group of people that disagree with each other they all have bad character and they're all out to get one another so clearly they're not going to be happy if the servant does a good job for a then b and c and d are going to be upset about it and same and same thing if he does a good job for b then they're also going to get mad in fact al-razi imam al-razi he says rahimullah al-laylu wan-nahar mutashakisan أي أنهما متضادان إذا جاء أحده أحدهما ذهب الآخر. He says the day and the night are متشاكسان, meaning they are opposites, and when one comes, the other one goes. And then he later on says what? فكلما أرضى أحد أحدهم غضب الباقون. That so each time this servant he tries to please one of the masters, he finds that the other ones are angry about it. So you can imagine anybody who has multiple bosses or multiple people that they have to report to, and they all have contradictory objectives. in terms of the job, and they're very rude and arrogant and angry, and they don't even like each other, and they're kind of trying to sabotage each other's work. You can imagine how horrible that's going to go for this individual, subhanAllah. Also, a very interesting point, I thought this was very astute. Imam al-Razi, he mentions what? He says, if somebody says, well, wait a second, idols don't argue. 
right? The actual idol themselves, they don't argue with one another. So how does this make any sense? His response is, yes, that's true. They don't argue. However, the idolaters do argue. And there's no authoritative way to reconcile because all of it is nonsense, right? So if you have one group saying this is one deity and, and this deity wants this and that, and some other deity wants this and that, there's a bunch of different beliefs. Obviously, these stones or these, you know, idols made of wood or whatever they're made of, they don't actually send revelation. They don't actually give any guidance. And all the beliefs are pure nonsense. And so there's no way of proving one over the other. So all they're going to do is quarrel and pull in different directions, and there is no actual authority to go back to and actually clarify. There are a number of ayat of the Qur'an that have a similar concept here. Like for example, Allah says what? Had there been within the heavens and the earth gods besides Allah, they would have ruined it. So if you have multiple deities controlling this universe, then uh, all the laws and everything would be out of, out, of, out of sync, out of harmony and completely destroyed. Allah also says, uh, uh, Allah has not taken any son, uh, nor has there ever been with him any deity. If there had been multiple deities, then each deity would have taken what it created and some of them would have sought to overcome others. So there would have been this attempt to attack one another. And so clearly it would have been nothing but chaos. There's also another very interesting ayah that I think is very powerful in this regard. Allah Ta'ala says what? Allah says, do not invoke with Allah any deity thus be, uh, uh, and thus be among the punished. Allah says, if you do this, if you make dua, if you have multiple deities and you do this shirk, you will be punished. And the passive term is used, mu'adhabin. So Allah could have said, I will punish you. Allah could have said, Allah will punish you. And of course, we do believe that ultimately Allah will punish the one who does shirk. However, the passive could include more than just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, Allah will punish you, but it seems to me there's an indication here that it is such a chaotic lifestyle and shirk is so terrible that ultimately it's going to be chaotic and punishing in and of itself. So Allah is saying you will be punished using the passive voice, implying what? Yes, Allah Ta'ala is going to punish you for your shirk, but you are already going down a track that will, in and of itself, just by virtue of the fact that it's so chaotic, is going to be punishing uh, to you. There's a, there's a nice quote that says, stress happens when you hold two opposing thoughts in your mind about the same subject. For example, I want that, but I can't have it. Or I'm sitting in traffic, but I don't want to. This creates disharmony in the mind and gives rise to stressful emotions. You are now at odds with yourself. When an opposite thought contradicts a desire, you have to, you have to either change the thought or let go of the desire. You can't drive down two different roads at the same time. You must pick one. So this is the, the human nature. I want this, but I want that, but I want this, but I want that. You have to let something go. Otherwise, if you're constantly living on two tracks, always frustrated with yourself, you are in the similar nature trying to obey two different masters, right? You're trying to say, well, this desire is pushing me this way. This desire is pushing me that way. I want to obey both, but they're at odds with one another. You're in complete conflict. There's a nice quote that says, man is born free, but everywhere is in chains. And it's a very powerful quote. Why? Because yes, you're born free, but then as you go through life, Oh, I want to please this one and I want to make sure I conform to this trend or I want to make sure these people are happy with me I want to be cool with these friends, but then my parents say this but then the government says that and you want to conform with everybody And at this at the end of the day, you're being pulled in all these different directions and you're not able to please everyone And if we were taking a look on the public level nowadays We're seeing this in the news constantly especially with our current climate because there's a war going on and it's it's you know creating lots of tension and both sides seem to be getting louder about what they want to take place. And subhanAllah, you're seeing these newscasters who don't know how to toe the line. 
You're also seeing politicians who don't know how to please everybody. You also see celebrities who want to send out the right tweet. They don't want to get canceled, right? And so they're trying to say, oh yeah, I support the victims of this side. And then people are like, well, what about that side? Oh, I mean, and that side too. Oh, I mean, yes, I mean, no. And they don't know what to say and they don't know what side to be on. They're trying to please multiple masters. They're asking themselves, should I tell the truth? Because that seems like a good thing to do. Uh, should I speak to the masses? That seems like a good thing to do. What about the donor class? There's a certain class of people that have all the money. I don't want to upset them. I want to be popular, but I also want to be honest, but I also want to be rich. I don't want to get canceled. I don't know what to say. The problem is they're trying to please too many masters. This is the problem. And then even on a personal level, as we talked about desires, so that's on the public scale. If you just look internally on the personal scale, chasing desires is depressing because it's like chasing one's shadow. The faster you run, the further it gets. The more you chase your desires, the more your desires grow, transform, take control, they keep shifting. And they create addictions that will eventually destroy you. You can't keep this up. There's a nice quote that says what? It's better to do one thing well than 10 things poorly, right? We all know this, you know? Uh, you just sit down and focus on one thing at a time. Do one thing well instead of a bunch of things really poorly. This is reminiscent of the idea in the Quran that's emphasized in multiple places that Islam teaches you to focus on quality over quantity. Allah says what? Allah says that he created death and life to test you as to which of you is best indeed. Not akfaru amala, not the most indeed, but the best indeed. Allah Ta'ala wants quality over quantity. So obviously this is a, a much more um, a softer example of what I'm talking about. If you take it to a more extreme level, then you have this concept of shirk, you're trying to please multiple deities and ultimately you're failing at all of it. So is that a good person to be? Obviously not. Or the contrast is what? وَرَجُلًا سَلَمًا لِرَجُلٍ Or a man who is exclusive. يعني سَلَمًا يعني خالصاً. Exclusively for what? One other person. You have one master. There's different pronunciations of this term different in different qira'at. You find سَلَمًا or سَالِمًا or سَلْمًا or سِلْمًا. Different ways of pronouncing it based on different qira'at. But the point is what? Imagine you as an employee, as a worker, you're working for a kind-hearted person. One person, of course, a peaceful person. You know, salam, salaman coming from salam. Somebody who's peaceful, easygoing, and considerate. Uh, uh, somebody who has a clear vision. Somebody whose instructions today won't contradict, contradict his uh, instructions in a week from now, in a month from now, in a year from now. Always the same line. You know, sometimes a boss will say, oh, we're going one way, now go the opposite way. No, no. Not only is he peaceful in and of himself today, but even tomorrow and the next day, it's all going to be one long-term vision so I can see the trajectory. Isn't it nice to have a boss with such clarity of thought? A man who makes things clear to make sure that the employee knows what makes him happy. It's very frustrating. I said, do this. No, I meant to, I meant to, say, I, I meant to tell you to do this. You should have done that. You should, have, you should have understood. If you're giving unclear instructions, it's so frustrating. But someone who's clear, easygoing, kind, and ultimately a believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a worshiper of Allah, someone who's sincere and considerate of what? The fact that they will be accountable before Allah. So they obviously treat you well. So which one is better? The obvious answer is clearly, I want to have the one boss the, the intelligent boss, the enlightening boss, the clear and consistent boss, the one who has a clear vision instead of a bunch of fighting, quarreling, uh, c confused nonsense. So not only is this ayah highlighting in this parable, this method, not only is it highlighting that Allah Ta'ala is one, but it's also uh, uh, implying that the application of Allah Ta'ala's revelation does cause peace. Right? And that's the, that's the truth. If you try to apply the laws of a bunch of man-made man religions, you're ultimately going to end up with nonsense and things that don't help. But Allah's deen is such that when you apply it properly, you get good results. It gives you peace and harmony and, uh, 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 you know, one clear path. So this is the beauty of Allah's deen. Allah is one and his path is the best. And furthermore, as a somewhat of a side point, we should remember that this ayah 
can remind us of how important it is to get married in such a way where you and your spouse have the same values. So critical. It's so critical that you have the same values. I know it is halal to marry somebody of a different religion for the men. You're allowed to marry from a, 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 a kitabiyah, ahlul kitab. But there are some scholars, and I, I, I mean Allah, in terms of halal or haram, but I would definitely say I agree with the idea that some scholars say this is only for Muslim lands. And it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to marry a sister from Ahlul Kitab, if you're in a Muslim country where you could say that, like it's as if you imagine a stream, the, the current, everything's pushing in one direction towards Islam, and the mother is the only one who, you know, might be unclear on these matters. Well, it's okay, inshallah, because society is pushing in that direction, that child is going to still have their Islam from school, from the masjid, from their friends, from everybody. They'll still memorize their Quran, they'll learn their Arabic, they're going to practice their deen. But do you really think it's a good idea if already you're living in a, as a minority in this country, right? Already the trend, the current is going against Islam. And now you as a Muslim, especially as a father, you're not number one, you're number two, right? Number one is always mom in terms of who has the most influence on the kids. So not only is society pushing the kid in the wrong direction, but now mom is too. And then you as a father who's at work all day, you're upset that, oh, why is my kid not practicing in their religion? So, wallah adam, but I think that if we're going to be intelligent about this, uh, uh, this, this, uh, um, or allowance in Islam to marry from the Ahlul Kitab, I think it applies to living in Muslim countries and I think uh, uh, it, it should be either very uh, done very cautiously or maybe not done at all when living as a minority and Allah knows best. Yes, uh, so you want to marry someone who you and your wife are on the same page so that when you're giving kids instructions, you, the kid doesn't have soon, <laughs> you know, basically uh, contradictory authorities. There's another ayah that relates to this, uh, this concept, this concept of having one authority who is clear and direct and, and very, uh, you know, uh, straightforward. Allah Ta'ala says what? Allah says, are separate lords better or Allah the one and the prevailing? You want number one, you want the best. Al-Qahar, the all-powerful and the number one. Then Allah says what? Go, going deeper into the ayah, Allah says, هَلْ يَسْتَوِيَانِ مَثَلًا and of course, this word methala here is atamiz, the, the reason why it's mansub. Anyway, that's for those who study Arabic and want to know. But anyhow, this is a really important point, and I really hope you guys can appreciate this. And maybe one of these days I'll talk about this in more detail in a khutbah, in a future khutbah, inshallah. But Allah Ta'ala doesn't answer the question. Allah just says, are they equal? Full stop. Why is that the case? Allah Ta'ala asks, and asks this question and leaves it un unanswered. Why? This is the best way to make a powerful point. This is something that we need to understand. When we are living in this country where we're going to have to have discussions and debates about Islam, where we're going to try to give da'wah and talk to people who disagree with us, we need to know some of the best methods to give da'wah. And Allah Ta'ala is teaching us a very crucial and very important lesson about how to make a good point. Don't just assert that you're right. That I'm right, you're wrong, that's it. Yes, that's one method. But instead, if you ask a question that exposes your interlocutor's weaknesses, if you ask a question that exposes the opposition's weaknesses, and then uh, 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 let them, don't, don't, don't answer for them, just let them attempt to answer the question. Their failure speaks for itself. It's much less assertive, harsh, arrogant. It's much more open-minded. I'm just trying to understand. You say you believe this, but you also say you believe that. I'm trying to, how do you reconcile this? Instead of telling them, you can't reconcile this because this doesn't make sense because this is a contradiction, instead of saying all that, you simply just leave the question open-ended and allow them to speak. And as they 
slowly let, let them in their mind realize that, hey, this guy's genuinely asking me a question and I really can't answer. And their failure speaks for itself. So Allah Ta'ala is showing us this. Is there any comparing the two? And the answer is obviously no, but Allah doesn't even have to say it. Then Allah says what? Alhamdulillah. All praise is due to Allah. Why? All praise due to Allah for providing the best evidence and the most convincing arguments. It can also mean all praise due to, due to Allah for sending guidance in general. It can also mean all praise due to Allah. Why? Because if you are uh, a employee working for a group of terrible bosses, or you're working for one awesome boss, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter because ultimately they're all under Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All praise goes back to him. It could also imply that. Doesn't matter what situation you're in. Ultimately, Allah is above everybody. And it can also mean all praise due to Allah for being our master who, through obedience to him, we don't need to worry about anybody else. And this, I think, is a very, very powerful point. Alhamdulillah, all praise due to Allah, the one who, the, I'm, I'm, I'm adding this, this implication here, but the implication is what? The one who, when I only focus on him and make him the master, then everybody else does not matter. And Allah Ta'ala will take care of everybody else. There's a nice proverb that says what? Man Whoever turns all of his concerns into one concern, Allah will take care of all the rest of his concerns. If you take all, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about A and B and C and D, I'm worried about all these different things. But if you just turn that to one concern, as in you turn all your concerns back to Allah, you know what, I don't care if I fail at X, Y, and Z, as long as I have Allah on my side, that's the only thing that matters. If you have that attitude, then Allah Ta'ala will take care of the rest. This is similar to the statement in which the Prophet says, مَنْ كَانَتِ الْآخِرَةُ هَمَّهُ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ غِنَاهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ وَجَمْعَ لَهُ شَمْلَهُ وَأَتَتْهُ الدُّنْيَا وَهِيَ رَاغِمَةُ وَمَنْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا هَمَّهُ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ فَقْرَهُ بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ وَفَرَّقَ عَلَيْهِ شَمْلَهُ وَلَمْ يَأْتِهِ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَا قُدِّرَ لَهُ Whoever makes the hereafter his goal, Allah makes his heart rich and organizes his affairs and the world comes to him whether he wants it to or not. Things are going to just come to you easy. And whoever makes the world, this dunya, his goal, Allah will put his poverty right before his eyes. Everything you don't have, that's the only thing you'll, you'll see. You can have a million things, but you're missing one thing, that's all you notice. And he's going to disorganize his affairs. And the world does not come to him except what has already been decreed. You're not going to get more than what has been decreed for you. You're going to hustle. Maybe I can get more. Maybe I can get more. You'll never be able to. This is one hadith. Another hadith telling us what? Don't worry about the approval of the creation. Only worry about the approval of the creator. How does the Prophet say this? The Prophet says what? مَنِ الْتَمَسَ رِضَاءَ اللَّهِ بِسَخَطِ النَّاسِ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ مُؤْنَةَ النَّاسِ Whoever seeks Allah's pleasure through the people's anger, Allah will suffice him from people. And whoever seeks people's pleasure through Allah's anger, Allah will entrust him to the people. In other words, go ahead. You, you belong to them now, right? We don't want to be those type of people. We want to be the opposite. We want to say, Ya Hayu, Ya Qayyum, bi don't even leave me to myself for the, even the blink of an eye. Beautiful dua. So this is the type of attitude we want. So you have to ask yourselves, what is your number one concern in life? On the list of things that you're concerned about, who's number one? When you wake up in the morning, who's the first person you're thinking about? If the first thing you do is, what time is it? I have to pray. Got to make wudu. Got to pray my salah. Inshallah ta'ala. And if you continue with that same energy throughout the entire day, Always think about Allah Ta'ala number one, then inshallah Ta'ala, you're good to go, right? That's, that's what this ayah is talking about. However, if you put other things first, and Allah Ta'ala is always on the end of the list, you even miss your salawat and you engage in haram and you don't even think about it, you don't even make tawbah because you think, oh, who cares? Then subhanAllah, you have other masters other than Allah. 
there's a, a, a proverb. It, it may be attributed to Ali ibn Talib, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, the statement is uh, Knowledge is simple, it gets complicated by fools. <laughs> That's a really good quote. I don't know if it's really true to Ali. I hope it is because it's such a clever quote, inshallah. But I like the quote anyhow. Knowledge is simple, it gets complicated by fools. This deen is straightforward. Focus on your Lord. You know how to pray, fast, give your charity, be a good person, speak the truth, stand up for what's right. Deen is simple, inshallah. Yes, you study your deen, you learn your deen, you try to improve, but you don't have to worry. You know, ultimately, this deen is quite very, very much straightforward. If your boss tells you to do something haram, what's your response? You say what? I can apply for a new job, no big deal. I have skills, I'm talented, Allah has made this earth very wide. You want me to do something haram? I'll go get another job. Thank you for your time, thank you for your uh, opportunities. I think I'm gonna go now. Make life easy, because you're not my master. If halal, good, if not, I'm out, that's cool. I have other opportunities. If your wife or your husband wants you to be disobedient to Allah, I can get a divorce. It's allowed. Find another woman. Fall in love. New story, inshallah ta'ala. No problem. You'd rather haram? Okay, ma'asalama. Have a nice time. If your friends want you to engage in haram, the world is full of potentially new friends, inshallah. Lots of new people to get to know. Good believers that will call you towards good instead of evil. If your parents, even your parents, who are above the boss, the parents are above the spouse, the parents are above your friends. Parents are right after Allah ta'ala, you know, Allah ta'ala talks about his oneness, and then says what? Uh, 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 you know, and do excellence towards your parents. So parents are very high on the list, and yet Allah says what? Allah says, but if they strive to make you associate with me that of which you have no knowledge, do not obey them, but accompany them in this world in appropriate kindness. You still be nice to your parents, but don't obey them. So it doesn't matter who it is in this dunya, thank you, but no thank you. And then Allah says, well, what? Implying what? Most people don't even realize how badly they're suffering from their internal discord. The final point I want to mention is what? Inshallah ta'ala, we should remember that this can apply not only to the Muslim versus the disbeliever, like the kafir, the mushrik, etc., but can also apply to the Muslim who is sincere versus the Muslim who is the show-off, right? Mura'i, uh, right? Yura'un, riya', showing off, right? The Prophet says what? Inna akhwafa. The Prophet says, the thing I fear most for you is the smaller shirk, the lesser, the, the smaller form of polytheism, which is what? Showing off. A shirk al-asghar, the smaller form of shirk, is showing off. Why? Because you're supposed to be worshipping for Allah, but you're only worshipping so that people look at you and watch you. And we know that the Prophet says what? وَالَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدِهِ that I swear by the one whose life, uh, who, who I swear by the one who in his hands is my life, that this, this shirk, this type of uh, smaller or uh, lesser shirk, this shirk uh, al-asghar, it is what? It is more hidden than the movement of a tiny little ant. It's so subtle. Why? Because just something can get into your heart. Oh, they're watching. Oh, they're watching. It's so subtle. So be very, very cautious of the shirk al-asghar. May Allah Ta'ala protect us of that. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who are like Hud salam, who couldn't care less about what the people said to him. They said, we're going to kill you. We're going to this, that. He said, what? Fakiduni jami'an thumma la tunzirun. He said, so go ahead, plot against me, all of you together. Don't even give me a chance. Don't even give me any time. Don't even give me like a head start. Go ahead, attack me all together. Indeed, I have relied upon my Lord 
my, I, I relied upon Allah, my Lord and your Lord. There is no creature except that he controls its forelock. Allah Ta'ala has everybody in control by their forelock. You can't do anything. I don't care if a million of you are against me because I only have to please Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. This is the attitude we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to remember that Hud is our prophet too. And so therefore he is our example. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who are sincere to Allah. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who realize that Allah Ta'ala is the only one we need to please. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who next time somebody says to you, oh, don't say that. Other people are listening. Say, Allah is listening. I don't care if they're listening. I speak the truth. Oh, watch out, the phones are listening. Watch out, I think they have this masjid bugged. They might be listening. Allah is listening. Allah is as-samir. Are you kidding me? Fear Allah. Don't fear anybody else. Speak the truth. May Allah ta'ala forgive us. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Jazakul khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.